Um, it's great to see you all. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're super alert this morning after the clocks change. It's a real treat, isn't it? Especially if you've had a bit of time off over half term trying to get back into things. Uh, it's, it's great to have that extra hour. Let me pray for us before we uh, dive into this passage. Isaiah writes, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Father God, thank you that your word is a solid rock on which we can build our lives. Please speak to us this morning, help us to listen, and please shape and change us by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I wonder how you respond to people having power or authority over you. Uh, maybe it's your line manager at work, uh, maybe it's uh, a head or an executive in an organization, uh, maybe it's working underneath someone on a project, or it's an older brother or sister ruling the roost, uh, or maybe it's uh, the government of a country. There's certainly been some challenges there the last few weeks, haven't there? How do you respond to power and authority? One of the problems is that we've all heard of so many abuses of power, haven't we? People who get into positions of power and then just use them to abuse or oppress people or, to use, or use it for their own gain. Uh, there are so many examples in the news, aren't there? Whether it's war crimes uh, or the Me Too movement uh, or corruption uh, or something else. In fact, we've seen so many bad examples of people using power and authority that often our culture or our society almost questions whether power and authority can ever be a good thing. And yet, I think we all long for good leaders at some level, don't we? Uh, people who use power well, people who we can trust and follow with confidence, and people who seek our good. Which brings us to the question, how do we view God's power and authority over us? How do you feel about it? Or to put it more simply, how do you feel about God full stop? Do you feel like he's out to get you? Or do you feel like he's on your side? And how does God use his power and authority? And what is the res right response to it? Well, those are some of the massive questions that we get answers to in today's passage. Uh, so let's get stuck in. Uh, the first people we meet in the passage are Peter and John. Peter and John were apostles, uh, meaning people who were eyewitnesses to Jesus' life and who were with him uh, and had seen lots of what had gone on. These events happened very soon after Jesus' death and resurrection and after his ascension up to heaven. And there's a new community of believers, the early church, built from people who are convinced that Jesus has risen from the dead. And we've seen in Acts that they've been empowered by the Holy Spirit to go and make disciples of all nations. So we're told, verse 1, that Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. And as they approach the temple, they see a lame man being carried by some friends to the temple. We're told that this man had been lame from birth, and he's been carried to the temple to ask for help. You see, in those days, there was no support for people who were lame or disabled, no benefits. And so it was an awful situation to be in. In many ways... This man's only hope was gifts that might be given to him at the temple gates by those passing by. And so he went, when he sees Peter and John, he calls out to them for help. But Peter tells him that they don't have any money, but they do have something far more special. 
And so Peter says to him, verse 6, in the name of Jesus Christ, get up, rise up, and walk. You can imagine the people around wondering what on earth is going to happen next. I mean, surely Peter's going to look a bit silly here. Uh, But incredibly, Peter takes him by the right hand and he pulls him up and the man jumps up and he walks. And he follows them into the temple, leaping and praising God. And the people around are completely amazed. Uh, I mean, you would be, wouldn't you? Verse 11, we're told that they were utterly astounded and so they run to Peter and John and uh, we're told they were staring at them as if they were superheroes or something. Uh, And they look to Peter and John for some sort of explanation. And so Peter addresses the people and he gives them an explanation for this miracle. And what does he say? The first thing that he says is, don't look at us, guys, as if this was our power doing this. He says, no, this is a miraculous sign to point you to something far more amazing. Uh, Imagine you're uh, heading to a hotel on holiday and you're driving along the road and you see a sign uh, pointing you to the hotel. Uh, It'd be awful if you you mistook the sign for the hotel itself and kind of bedded down for the night under the sign, wouldn't it? You'd miss the real deal with the decent bed and and maybe the spa. Uh, And Peter says this miraculous sign, uh, the lame man getting up and walking, it's actually a signpost. The blessing this lame man has received by the power of God is actually a sign to point the people and us to the real deal. It points us to the most amazing way that God has blessed us by his power. Peter goes back and he reminds them of the great promise that God has made to their Jewish fathers. Uh, What had God promised? Now have a look at verse 25. God had promised right back at the time of Abraham to bless them. And verse 26, how has God fulfilled that blessing? Uh, Peter says, God having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. And we see in verse 13 that this servant is Jesus. Peter says the God of Abraham, the God of your fathers, glorified his servant Jesus. Peter tells him that the blessing of God has come to them as promised. God has blessed them in Jesus Christ. The people standing around Peter and John had the great privilege of being around at the time of Jesus, didn't they? They would have heard of Jesus' death and resurrection. Maybe they'd even seen it with their own eyes. And they'd seen this amazing miracle performed in front of them with the lame man. But tragically, many of them had completely missed God's blessing in Jesus. And we have a great privilege too. Uh, We have the full Bible showing us the big picture of what God has done for us. Uh, We have the fantastic book of Acts that's been great to go through recently, hasn't it? Uh, We've seen God's kingdom has grown so much since then. Uh, We have access to many good churches, great Christian books. Uh, We might have people praying for us by the Spirit. And it would be equally tragic for us to miss or reject God's blessing in Jesus. You see, how did the people back then treat Jesus? What do we see in verse 14? Peter says to the crowd, But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To 
this we are witnesses. Peter tells them that Jesus is the very author of life. He's the very one who created everything. He was there right at the beginning. He rightfully has complete power and authority. And he's come to bless them. But they didn't want Jesus, did they? And so they delivered him over to the Romans to be killed. Uh, They had their own agenda. They wanted other things more than they wanted Jesus. And that's what the Bible calls sin. And we can so often be the same, can't we? We resent God's power and authority. And we think we know best. We, We think we'll be better off trusting ourselves rather than the one who made us. We want to have the authority. We want other things more than we want Jesus. And maybe we look to relationships or career or leisure or health. C.S. Lewis, uh, who you probably heard of, who wrote the Narnia books and who was a Christian, uh, commenting on this, uh, he said, we are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. The lame beggar at the gate learned that through that Christ, through Peter and John, offers far more than he could have imagined. And Christ offers us incredible blessing as well. The great news is that the author of life, the one who rightfully has complete power and authority, doesn't use it for his own advantage, and like so many do in our world. Instead, he, he comes down and he enters into the muck of life. And he's willing to die for us in our place, wearing a crown of thorns, so that we can receive God's blessing. Uh, He comes to bless and not to oppress. And when we really see what God has done for us, how he's used his authority and his power, and we see how we've treated him, uh, there's only one response that makes sense. It's what Peter tells the crown in verse 19. He says, repent therefore and turn back. Repent therefore and turn back. Uh, Repent means turn around. Uh, It's a bit like another road sign, uh, but this time a U-turn sign. Peter's saying, make a U-turn. Turn back to God and instead of continuing away from him, turn from your sin, turn from pushing Jesus away. Turn from trusting in other things more than Jesus. Submit to his authority, his perfect authority, and you'll find the greatest blessing. Back when I was about 18, I was on holiday uh, in the Alps with my family, uh, and I took them up this uh, fantastic climb, uh, a big wedge on the side of a a famous peak in the Alps, so you can see, see the route up here. Uh, and uh, as we started, I kind of gave them a little safety briefing, uh, saying, you know, you've you got to stick really close, and you need to listen to what I'm saying, you need to go exactly where I tell you to go, and do what I tell you to do. But my sister, uh, being my sister, being a teenager at the time, um, didn't care that I was qualified, I'd done the route before. Uh, instead, uh, we got going, and I was kind of focusing on helping my other sister, on my mum and dad, uh, and, and this sister just headed off into the distance without me really noticing. And uh, I suddenly looked up uh, and realized that A, she was miles away, 
and B should clipped into this random electricity cable rather than this metal cable that we were supposed to be clipped into that happened to be on the face. Uh, and she was heading off in totally the wrong direction uh, and towards this big drop. Not a good moment. Um, and so I shouted at the top of my voice, turn back, come back to me quick, please. And thankfully she managed to hear. Uh, she's still with us today. And uh, she came back uh, and we hugged uh, and I said, look, I love you. I just want to keep you safe. Uh, I know what I'm doing and I want us to get safely to the top. Uh, and it's fantastic up there. You're going to love it. And in a similar but far, far more important way, Jesus is saying to us in this passage, turn back, uh, stop heading off on that path that leads to destruction Come back to me and trust me. Uh, my arms are open wide. Uh, I love you. I care for you. I know the best way for you to go. And I came here to bless you. And do you see the incredible blessings that are promised in verse 19? Uh, there are three mentions. Uh, Peter says, Repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, They're completely blotted out. Uh, in Jesus, every trace of sin can be erased, uh, not just once, but continually and forever. Peter also says, repent and turn back, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, verse 20. Uh, have you ever been so thirsty? Maybe uh, you forgot some water when you're out on a walk or something, and you're so, so thirsty on a hot day. Uh, and when you finally get some water, uh, it's just incredibly refreshing. And Jesus says that he is living water. He is the water we need for life. And in his presence, we find true refreshment and peace. And finally, Peter says, when we turn back, we'll be blessed through Christ's return, verse 21. At the time for restoring all things, we have a certain hope of a future, of a place that is perfect and renewed, where there'll be no more death or mourning or crying. Isn't it incredible that those blessings are offered uh, to some of the very people who uh, pushed Jesus towards his death? They're offered to them if they repent and turn back to God. And so I think Jesus wants to say to us today, whatever you've done, whoever you are, Will you repent and turn back to me before it's too late? Or will you turn and trust in me as the author of life who came to bless you? What could it look like to say yes to Jesus? Well, it might look a bit like James, who we heard from uh, the other week, didn't we, up the front here. He said he'd been angry at God's authority. Uh, he was seeking comfort and identity in girls and drinking and other things. Uh, and he pushed God away. Uh, but he realized that if what God had done is true, then he needed to turn back to him. Uh, he needed to repent and change how he was living. And he needed to get to know Jesus better. Uh, maybe for you it might mean turning and trusting Jesus for the first time today. Uh, Jesus cries out to you and he says, don't continue on that path to destruction. Turn back to me. Don't leave it here. Now that's going to mean getting to know Jesus better 
uh, and we'd love to help you with that. Uh, maybe you could join one of our Discovery Bible studies here, uh, or come and have a chat to me or Ken or, or a Christian friend, and we'd love to help you with that. Uh, or maybe turning back and trusting Jesus might look a bit more uh, like um, my friend Richard. Uh, he was trusting Jesus as his Lord and Savior. He had been doing for a long time. But he realized that in many ways he was finding his security in his money uh, and not in Jesus. Uh, and so he repented uh, and he felt prompted to increase his giving by 1% every single year um, for the rest of his life to help him keep finding security in God's and not in his money. Uh, he knew, knew that God called him to radical generosity and he was willing to trust God with his finances. Uh, and maybe God is putting his finger on an area of your life where you need to repent and turn back to God and start trusting him. Uh, it might be trusting God and, and letting his priorities shape your big decisions in life, like how you use your money or where you live or what job you take. Or it might mean trusting those great blessings that we've seen this morning so much that we're willing to say no to sin, uh, to the things that pull us away from God uh, and repent of them. Or finally, turning and trusting Jesus might mean this morning simply clinging on to him through a tough time and trusting that promise of refreshment in Christ and certain hope. It reminds me of a friend who even in the face of terminal cancer, uh, was able to say with sincerity, God's got a plan. God's in control. And he rested in that. What might it look like for us personally to repent and turn and trust in Christ? I'm going to ask the Spirit to point each one of us to what it might mean for us personally. So let's take uh, a couple of minutes now to just bow our heads uh, to pray and to think that through. Let's bow our heads. Let me break into your prayers. It can be hard to trust Jesus, can't it? So why should we say yes to that call to turn back and to trust him? Well, imagine the deep peace that we could have in all the ups and downs of life if we learn to trust that God is in control and he's for us and he's sorted out our greatest problem. He's blotted out our sin and we have a certain hope. And imagine what an impact we could have in our community and on people's eternal destiny if, if we as a church were fighting our sin together and putting others first and taking risks for the gospel with our conversations and our money and our time and, and our big decisions uh, because we're trusting Jesus. You see, he is the author of life and yet he was willing to face rejection and even death at the very hands of the people who Peter was talking to so that they and we might be blessed. He is the leader who lays down his life 
so that we might have life. And he calls us to turn back to him and trust him. And he calls us with open arms and nail-scarred hands. He is worthy of our praise. So let's get on our feet and praise him with this next song. It was a chance to recommit ourselves to him. Let's get on our feet.